0: Hey everyone, you're listening to Fictional Feels with your host, Tatiana. Today, I'm going to be talking about two of my like favorite animes um, called Wonder Egg Priority and Mia. Um, I do want to preface this with a few trigger warnings for depression and mentions of suicide, as well as spoiler warnings for both shows. So to give a little background, uh, Wonder Egg Priority is a magical girl show that centers around a lonely middle school girl named I. Um, and I was severely bullied by her classmates because of her like heterochromia, um, and she didn't really have many friends until she meets Koito, a transfer student that wasn't really afraid of being like targeted by the other students. So they quickly became friends. Um, but unfortunately, I loses her to suicide. And it's kind of like a mystery around like why she committed suicide. But she's given the opportunity to bring her back to life, only if she's able to protect enough wonder eggs. And essentially, those are people who have, like, committed suicide and sort of need to pass on in a way. And uh, she protects them from creatures called Cino evils. And along the way, she meets plenty of other girls sort of fighting to bring someone dear to them back as well. So the scene I wanted to talk about happens in the final episode. Uh, the girls sort of find out about the dark secret behind the whole, like, Wonder Egg type thing. But I decides to go back one last time anyway. And to her surprise, the wonder egg that she must save is actually herself, just from a different timeline. And so they sort of go back and forth with each other. And Ai pretty much explains that she understand, like the original I explains that she understands why she did it, how they both talk about how it was really hard having no one to talk to, but she mentions Koito and the other I pretty much responds with who she doesn't know who koito is because she's never met koito and so there's this moment of understanding with the original i about how they're different so she goes on to you know talk about all the people that she's met and she's friends with now and how she's stronger because of it and it's not explicitly said but i feel like you can definitely tell that the like i from the other timeline is totally jealous of what this I has. This scene just really spoke to me because I feel like I could relate a bit to both of them. You know, I feel like my, I feel like the original I because there are some like really great people in my life that I've met and I'm really thankful for meeting and you know, they're my reason for staying and have made me stronger. But you know, after watching that scene, I couldn't help but wonder if I was like the other I, you know like somewhere out there, there's another me who is happier or has more friends or is more successful or even smarter, you know, the perfect version of myself. Um, And I totally felt the other eyes, like kind of jealousy along with her. It's not so much jealousy as it is like a sort of like longing, you know, she wishes that she had that uh, in her life. So you know, oftentimes I create this perfect version of myself in my head. And, you know, it's great because it gives me something to strive for. But at the same time, you kind of recognize that there is no real way someone could be perfect because it's human to err. But, you know, I can't help but long for it in the way that the other eye longs to have met someone like Koito. But I connected to the scene because it's like the other eye is confronted with the seemingly not perfect version of herself, but truly a better version of herself. Um, she has friends and is happy, and that's what the other eye always wanted and longed for, but unfortunately will now never get. Tori Mia follows a high school girl named Tori, who, on the surface, is this, like, popular, outgoing girl, but at home, she's a sort of, like, homebody who looks after her little brother and her family. Um, So one day, her little brother, Sota, comes home with a boy that has, like, tattoos and piercings and really long hair, Um, and it turns out that it's actually her classmate, Miyamura, who at school appears to be, you know, this like loner, someone who keeps to himself, definitely does not have any piercings or tattoos. So after finding out each other's sort of like secret lives, they decide to keep it a secret from their classmates. And as with all slice of life romances, they end up getting closer to each other because of this and eventually become a couple. I think this show is actually super cute and a bit different from other romances because I feel like the characters were actually giving 50-50, you know, in like most romances, it's like one character is just doing all the work, like doing all the initiating, all of the like cutesy things. But I feel like here it was really, like you could tell that they genuinely cared about each other. And side note, if, (laughs) if any of you have actually seen this show... I think you'll know what I'm talking about when I say that Miyamura gives me such gender envy. Like, bro, that one scene where he comes in with Sota, dead. I'm... <laughs> um, but anyway, to get back to the scene that I want to talk about specifically, it happens also in the last episode of the show. And it's the day of their graduation. And Miyamura is sort of running through the hallways, trying to avoid one of his classmates and along the way like a bunch of people are interacting with him like they say hi to him he quickly says like step back you know it's a clear contrast to the beginning of the show because he sort of kept to himself he didn't really have anyone to talk to nor did anyone really want to talk to him so um he's definitely come a long way and since you know there's this whole running theme throughout the show that Miyamura is sort of haunted by his past, or not so much haunted, but he tries so hard to deny what he used to be, and um, since, like, middle school, the middle school version of himself was, like, a loner, you know, never really, like, had friends, and so he would always do, like, crazy things to try to get people's attention, like the piercings and the tattoos, and he hung out with a lot of people that were kind of Sketchy or like suspect. He's come a long way from like who he used to be, um. And it's clear with this scene. After you know, he makes his way to the school roof, um, getting a sort of break from all the commotion. You know how a lot in a lot of like anime, the rooftop has like the central like building where it's like the entrance to the stairwell, and then it's like the rest of the like rooftop, I guess. So, basically, standing right beside the, like, little building that holds the stairwell is his younger self, like, his middle school self. You know, his past self pops up, as I said, every now and then throughout the show, and Miyamura is always denying him. But it's different in this case, because Miyamura actually engages with him. So they kind of go back and forth with each other, and Miyamura, like, the high school Miyamura, um, says about how much he's changed and how that he's made so many friends and how he even has a girlfriend. His past self sort of, in this kind of touching way, his past self acknowledges that, um, you know, that Miyamura, the high school Miyamura is finally facing him and finally acknowledging him. And, you know, for Miyamura, the high school Miyamura, it's a point of acceptance. The amount of joy in this moment I had for Miyamura, like, I was so happy for him. And it was kind of touching because his middle school self says, like, oh, congratulations on your graduation. Like, I'll disappear for you now. Kind of meaning that Miyamura has now accepted who he once was and is moving forward with who he is now. And that made me really happy. (laughs) Um, But yeah, the scene hit different for me because... I related, you know, to wanting to deny who you used to be. It's kind of like when you see cringy photos of your, like, younger self on your, like, mom's Facebook, where it'll be this, like, awful picture of you, like, at some sort of, like, family outing. And it's so cringy, but that was you. You can't deny, you know, who you were. And it made me really happy that, like, Miyamura was able to accept himself and who he used to be and is no longer held back by it or ashamed of it. I mean, admittedly, probably a little bit ashamed, but (laughs) I mean, you know, I hope that I can be that way someday with myself, you know, finally made peace with who I was and not sort of running from it. It also made me happy for him because his younger self, like they both believed that he would never make it to high school and that he would end up, you know, sort of killing himself before he got to high school because he was always alone. He never really had a good outlook on life. So as someone who is about to graduate, you know, I never really thought I'd make it this far as well. So, you know, on my graduation day, I'm going to be bawling. (laughs) Yeah, and I feel like Miyamura in this scene definitely felt that. I connected a lot to both him and his past self in that moment, and I guess that's why it's a really solid scene for me. Now to kind of sum this up, (laughs) these two shows will always have a place in my heart because at the time I watched them, I was feeling a lot of the same ways that the main characters were feeling. It was really great to see, you know, their resolution and how things really changed for them. And I can only hope that maybe one day things will change for me like it did for them. Anyways, (laughs) thank you guys so much for listening if you've made it this far. You know, I hope someone gets me in the same ways that I feel or connected to these shows in the same way I did.